Well, Pastor Ed got us thinking about this in a way already. He got us thinking a little bit there about what is our life purpose? As followers of Jesus, uh, what is the mission he's given us to, retired or not, vocational, paid ministry or not? Um, and I, and I, I wanted to start this morning with sort of a related question is uh, us collectively. What is this, the church? What is the people of God? What is this all about? What's the deal with this? What's the purpose for gathering together on Sundays? What's the, ga- what's the purpose of being connected with a group of believers? Is it uh, perhaps just tradition? It's the way it's always been, so we'll just keep it going. Is that the purpose? Is the purpose of being here because you grew up maybe around a church, and so it just continues? Is the purpose because, man, I got kids, parenting's hard, and they, they need a little Jesus, so I'll show up to church? Is that the purpose? It's a good spot for coffee, and occasionally, like today, apparently, free lunches. Is that the purpose? Um, do, do I come for a pep talk to feel better about myself in the midst of life? Uh, you know, why are you here? What's the purpose of church? Were you here because you, 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 maybe you became part of Faith Church because you preferred Pastor Ed's preaching and then he retired and then you had to deal with me every so often? Is, is, that what, is that what we're looking for? Is that what we're getting out of church? Is, is it because, are we here because we like the music? Is it here, are we here at Faith Church because it's a convenient time? I like 1015 better than dot, 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 dot. Is the purpose of, of being a church to, to check the religious box? I, I check the work box. I check the relatives, friends box during the week. I check the hobbies box and now I can check the religion box. If we're not careful, if we're not careful when left to ourselves, our own sinful, selfish desires, if we're not careful, we make our participation in the body of Christ, the family of God, we make our participation uh, about us and what we get out of it. Perhaps Perhaps we would all be willing to admit that we've left this gathering on Sundays on occasion thinking, I didn't get much out of that. If we're not careful, we make it about us. And, and the things, some of the things I listed are not bad things. Some of the things I listed are ways that God does connect us to a church family. We, we like who we're around, and we like, uh, you know, the way the teaching is, or the music, or there, there's something about the way that God is. Yeah, I mean, those are all, those are not necessarily bad things. They are things that God uses to draw us in to a church family. My point is, is that those things are not who we are, and they're not what we are to be about. We, what is our identity as individual believers, and as, a, and as collectively as a church family, who are we? And what are we to be about? Grab your Bibles if you haven't already and open with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Love you to have your Bibles or a Bible app open on your lap so we can together keep our finger in the text so we can hear from God through his word each Sunday as we look to the scriptures. So open with me if you would to 1 Peter chapter 2. And in a moment here, I'm going to start at verse 9. A little overlap with where... um, Rick left off, left off last Sunday. 
Before we get to the, right, right, I'm going to read the scripture here, starting at verse 9 in just a second. Let me just leave, let's start with this. As I studied this week, uh, here's a quote from one of the commentators, and I think this is a good way for us to think as we head into the passage. He wrote, if we truly understand what God has called the church to be and to do, then we will never view the church in the same old ways. Let me read that again and, and, and join with me on this. You know, as, we, as you thought about, well, what are some reasons I come to church? What are some reasons I chose Faith Church back, in, you know, back when I did? Or what is the church about? Or what's to be our purpose? He says, if we truly understand what God has called the church to be and to do, we will never view the church in the same old ways. So let's ask God, through his word, by the Spirit, let's ask him to show us then who we are to be and, and, and what we are to do. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 9. But you, followers of Jesus, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So let me stop there and, and keep us thinking about this overall uh, thought process this morning of, of what, are, what is this about? What is our purpose as a church? What is the mission that we are called to? Who are we and what does God want us to be about? And as I started a few minutes ago and I mentioned all those things, are, is this what church is about? Is that what church is about? Oh, we got to be careful to not make it about us. Here's another quote from the commentator that I studied this week. He has not, God has not given you, the church, to fit your plans and priorities. God has given you to the church to serve his plans and priorities. Let me read that one again. God has not given you, the church, so that the church can fit your plans and priorities. God has given you to the church, to the people of God, to this church family, to fellow believers, to serve God's plans and his priorities. So let's keep going. Verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Okay, pause button. Our series through 1 Peter, we entitled Sojourners. So remind me, what is meant by sojourners. What does the word sojourners mean? And in verse 11, it says sojourners and exiles. What are we, what are we to think of there? Or a drift? Yeah, that we're kind of passing through. What else? Pilgrims? Yeah, journeying, passing through. Because, because as followers of Jesus, what is our true home? Our true home is with him. Our true home is, is our, our, and our future home is heaven. And so as citizens of heaven, we then are, are, are sojourners on the earth. We're, we're just passing through. This is not our true home. Now, does God have purposes for us during our sojourn? That's what we're studying First Peter to learn. This is important. You are a citizen of heaven. This is not your true home. And yet, here we are. 
God has purposes for us as we sojourn. And so uh, you, as a follower of Jesus, in the world you live in, might be seen as irrelevant. You might be looked on as out of touch, as old-fashioned, as clueless, as strange. When looked upon by outsiders, you followers of Jesus might be thought to be crazy nobodies. People of, of no interest to the world. People who have nothing to contribute. That may be what you experience. That may be some of the perception that comes at us. But, but church family, you are servants of the one true king. He reigns from the right hand of God. His kingdom is reality. His kingdom is unfolding and will be fulfilled in the future. You are citizens of heaven, servants of the king, and living for him in this world. And so let's ask God to show us how. What is our experience in earthly life like? When, when the world is broken, do you, do you experience the world around you as broken? Not the way God intended pain and hurt and suffering and trial. It's tough. Our, our sojourn, our earthly life, is difficult at times, or difficult all the time. And, and yes, it, that includes you experiencing things that are anti-Christian, being seen as strange, being seen as, as irrelevant as nobodies, being seen as crazy. Part of what we experience is, is anti-Christian. How do we respond to that? What does God have for it? We're here. We're citizens of heaven, but we're on a sojourn. What's God up to? What does he have for us? How do we respond? How do we relate to the world? How do we interact with the world then? Okay, here's one option. I'm going to separate. Forget it. I'm going to run. I'm going to hide. I'm going to have nothing to do with. Good solution? No. Not what God called us to. Tempting at times. Tempting at times, yeah. To, to, to separate ourselves, to remove, to disengage, to, to abandon the culture, to figure, man, I, don't, I want nothing to do with that. But it's not right. It's not what God has for us. We could swing the pendulum uh, over to, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to make this everybody Christian, and I'm going to make this a Christian place, and I can bring about heaven on earth. If we vote for the right per person, if we legislate morality, if we educate, if I can just educate you, this will be heaven on earth. If I shout loud enough about Jesus, I'm sure everybody will want to follow him. So we've got one extreme, separate ourselves, not God's answer. For Christians living in the world, sorry I shouted, I'm very scary. <laughs> the other end of the spectrum, also not a good idea. What else is there though? There's still other bad ideas of ways to interact with the world. Another one is, is to accommodate. Well, yeah, I don't want to fight them and be all crazy and I don't want to hide, so I'll just kind of just go with the flow. The problem with going with the flow is I end up looking like the world. And I'm not sure that Jesus has the opportunity to make any impact on the world through me if I just go with the flow. So what does it look like then? What does it look like then to walk with Jesus in, during our sojourn? So far, in this letter, 1 Peter, in this book of the Bible we call 1 Peter, in this letter written by uh, Peter, earthly 
uh, one of Jesus' disciples, one of the early leaders of the church. In this letter so far, Peter's made it clear that our life is hard. He says, you will be grieved with various trials. And, uh, and so our life includes suffering, but, but what has he so far already taught us in 1 Peter? That even in the midst of suffering, we have a living hope, and his name is Jesus. Peter has said, yes, your life will include suffering, but we have a living hope, and you, church family, you followers of Jesus, are God's chosen people. I have, God has purposes for you in this sojourn, and so how do we relate to the world? How do we interact with the world. Based on our scripture this morning, I'm going to suggest two things. First, we declare the king. First, followers of Jesus declare the king. But by our nature, by our calling, we are proclaimers. When we think about the gospel good news of Jesus, the gospel by definition is news. Well, guess what, happens, what, what was naturally happens with news? It gets declared. It gets proclaimed. And so we look back at verse 9. For, where did I get this? Look back at verse 9 with me. But you, followers of Jesus, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And so what? What do we do? As God's chosen people, we live thankful for our salvation. We live thankful for all that God has done for us. And so as we're thankful for what he has done for us, that our salvation is not our effort, but our salvation is a gift from God, as we live lives of thankfulness for what he has done for us, then, then we, followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus, obey Jesus. Followers of Jesus, live for him. We desire to look at the ways of Jesus and live those out in our spheres of influence. And that includes that things should come out of my mouth that words should come out of my mouth that declare Jesus, that proclaim his greatness, that testify to the gospel good news. And verse 9 continues, you, follower of Jesus, are chosen race, God's own people, that you may proclaim, there's the words coming out of the mouth, right? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the dark into his marvelous light. We are, church family, we are called to be good news people. But by, by nature, we've been given the gospel good news. And now as followers of Jesus, we are to be good news people. The gospel is the spectacular news that God rescues sinners like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so because of the gospel good news, because we have not saved ourselves, because it's not about religion, because it's not about trying hard, because it's not about trying to match up, because a gift of God, Jesus came, lived the life that we cannot live, died the death that we deserve, was raised to life again. And by putting our trust in him, we too can have life. The gospel good news then is to be proclaimed by us as followers of Jesus. We are witnesses to Jesus. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We are called to be salt and light in the world. We are called to be a community that points to Jesus individually and collectively. Who are we as God's chosen people, his children, we are called to testify, to point to him. Followers of Jesus declare the greatness of the king. So let's charge the hill. 
If, we're, if that's our call, if we're God's people, let's charge the hill. It's us against the non-believers then, right? Right? No. Somebody say no. Let's charge the hill. It's us against them. It's our, it's our battles against those non-believers. We got to fight them. We got to make them be Christian. We got to shout loud enough. We got to convince them. No. Who's our battle against? Look at the scriptures. Verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Church family, non-believers in our spheres of influence are not the enemy. They are not the battle that we are called to. The scripture right there reminds us that our, our battle that wages war against our soul is that, is that left to our own sinful, selfish desires. We make life about us. We rebel against God. We go our own way. We put other things in the place of God in our life. Our, our, our passions of the flesh, our sinful nature is what wages war against our soul. And so... So those that are far from Jesus, those that need Jesus, are not the enemy. They are not our battle. First and foremost, we need to submit ourselves to God, throw ourselves at his feet, fight the temptations and the sin of the flesh, fight against selfishness, put God first and ask for God's help to love him and love others. So far, the passage has told us that, that as God's chosen people, we are to declare. We are to be proclaimers. We are to be good news people. Let's keep looking at the passage for um, what else he's calling us to. Verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Keep your conduct honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Does that say that your good deeds are what saves you and makes you right with God? No, your salvation is a gift of God's grace. Your salvation is by putting your trust in Jesus. It is God's gift that he rescues us out of the dark, into the light, out of sin, into forgiveness. And yet, as, as followers of Jesus, as those that are forgiven, as those that have been adopted into his family, we are called to obedience, to live holy lives. We saw that previously in 1 Peter. We are called now to keep our conduct honorable because our good deeds will point others to Jesus. And so second, the second thing I want to point out to us today is, is this, that followers of Jesus display his kingdom. We already covered this first one, that we declare the king, that we are proclaimers. And now the passage is encouraging us to display the kingdom, to display the life of following Jesus, to display with our actions, to, to commend our words, to commend the gospel with our actions, with good deeds. We, 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 want, we want our proclaimed words of Jesus' greatness, we want those to be supported by Actions that are godly, actions that are obedient, actions that are loving toward others, actions that are respectful and gracious and kind in our interactions. Not shouting louder, not forcing Christianity upon people, not hoping that we can legislate morality or vote for the Christian party because there is no such thing. 
We want actions of love and kindness and living out the ways of Jesus to undergird our, our declarations of Jesus as king. We want to testify to Jesus. We want to proclaim the greatness of Jesus both with words and actions. And what did the passage and what did verse 12 say would be the result? So that they would glorify God. So that the people looking at us, so that the people hearing from us, so that the people seeing us love each other and honor God, so that they would notice. And that our words proclaimed about Jesus would then be more likely to be heard and understood. We are to, verse 12 says, we are to keep our conduct honorable so that they will glorify God. So I think that's, that's what we want to draw from this passage this morning. And that's what we want to be um, the found. Here's what we want. This is what we wanted to get from this, these few verses this morning. And what we want to be the foundation of, of our continued study in 1 Peter the next few weeks is this, that as God's chosen people, how do you interact with the world? How do you relate with the world? Instead of disengaging, hiding, fleeing, instead of fighting or imposing or being forceful, instead of just accommodating to the world and going with the flow and becoming like the world, we have these two points from the scriptures. Followers of Jesus declare the one true king. We are proclaimers of Jesus as king, as savior, as rescuer, as the way to God. And we are displaying his kingdom. We are displaying in our actions, we are displaying what it means to live as an obedient Jesus follower. We look at Jesus, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. So we look at Jesus and see how he interacts with the world and how he interacts with kindness and love and grace and compassion and empathy and care and forgiveness. And we go, I want to do that. I want to display kingdom living. My king reigns. His kingdom is reality. It is here and it is unfolding and it will be fulfilled and we are living in his kingdom now. And so we are called to declare him as king and display what kingdom living looks like. And then let me just give us a glimpse of where we're going here in the coming weeks. Peter's letter is going to continue, and this is very practical. I love this letter. Peter's letter is going to continue with three examples of three areas of life where we have this opportunity to display kingdom life. Okay, so this morning, the passage has called us as a church, as the people of God, it has called us to be and to do by being declaring Jesus and displaying Jesus. And so as right as he urges us to display kingdom life, he then follows with three examples. He gives the example of, of living under governing authorities, that we have human government authorities in our lives. How do, that's a very practical area for our sojourn through this earthly life. How do we honor Jesus, declare the king, and display the kingdom living in relation to them? We have the opportunity uh, in the slave master example, which we could equate a little bit to workplace, but we'll talk about that next Sunday. That's a very practical area. What does it look like to serve Jesus as we interact with those we work with? And then the third practical area in life is in marriage. 
and we have an opportunity to see how we, uh, what, what, what God wants for us. How do we live for his glory as we sojourn this earthly life in those three areas and church family? Right in the middle of those three examples, right in the midst of those instructions is probably one of my favorite passages of scripture, probably one, uh, one of the most significant, in my mind, one of the most significant, incredible, powerful passages of scripture that, that I don't think it's overstating to say might give us the purpose of this earthly life, that, that, that call us to live for Jesus in the midst of our lives. And, and so we got that coming up. Um, we're going to cover those three areas in the next couple weeks. And right in the middle of those three practical areas is this incredible scripture about how we live for Jesus following in his example. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you, church family, are a chosen race, a called-out people, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness and into the light. And then verse 12, so that was de declare. And then verse 12, keep your conduct honorable so that they see your good deeds and glorify God. As God's chosen people, we live thankful lives for all that he has done for us. And we live out the ways of Jesus by words and actions, declaring and displaying Church family, when Dallas thinks of Faith Church, when our community considers Faith Church, when, when people interact with us individually or collectively, do unbelievers in our community see our in-process lives, our, our under-construction lives, our being-transformed lives? As you interact with non-believers in our spheres of influence, do people see that you are being transformed, that by following Jesus, you are being made new from the inside out. And as, as, as we interact in our spheres of influence, do non-believers in Dallas then hear from us the transformational news words of the gospel good news of what Jesus has done? As we interact, as we live our lives, as we move about, as God has you on this sojourn for his purposes, do unbelievers see our transformed lives on display and hear our transformed, our transformational good news from our lips? Father God, thank you for your love for us. And I pray that you would use us as you see fit, that you, uh, by your word, would have reminded us this morning of who we are and what we are to do as followers of Jesus, as a church family, as the body of Christ. God, remind us who we are and what we are to do. God, help us not to run or hide or separate ourselves. Help us not to forcefully impose ourselves. Help us not to get lost in the flow of this culture. But instead, God, not because we are awesome, but because you are awesome and at work in us, we pray that you would make it increasingly true of each of us and of us as a church family that we are a people who declare the greatness of Jesus and that we are a people who display kingdom living, not so that we can be impressive, 
not so that our good deeds earn favor with God, but so that our actions would support our words and so that our actions would point people far from Jesus to finding life in Jesus. And as you have called us to point people to Jesus here in Dallas and and beyond in our state and our world, we pray too for another sister church this morning. We pray too for Emmaus Life Church in Eugene, led by our own Scott Lamb, former youth pastor here at Faith Church who planted Emmaus Life years ago. God, we pray for Scott and Carissa and their kids. We pray for the Emmaus Life Church family. You have given them such passion and creativity for how they can love their unique community. God, would you work in them and through them to declare and display for the glory of Jesus. And God, we take a moment now to pause. And I'm going to leave some silence. And I would like to take the opportunity and I would like to invite my church family to take the opportunity to just sit with you and hear from you, to be reminded of who they are and what they are to do, not on their own power, but by your power at work within them. God, as we continue just a bit longer, remind us of our need for you. Convict us of sin. Point out to us where we fall short, where we need to repent, to turn away from our selfish ways, to turn away from rebelling against God and turn to Jesus. Point those things out, Lord, in us now and and call us to repentance. And Lord, may we know your goodness and your forgiveness as we confess. Thank you, God, that you are a God who is near, who sees and knows us, who hears our prayers and forgives our sin. Lift our eyes now to Jesus. We thank you for your son, for his life, death, and resurrection that brings us life. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that Jesus willingly died for the forgiveness of our sin and rose again to new life, showing us that we can have new life too. Life now, in the midst of our sojourn, not easy life, but life with you, and life with you eternal. God, I pray that we would give you the glory this morning and always, 
that as we continue in lifting our voice in, in singing and as we give our gifts and as we interact with each other and as we head out to be with family or friends and as we go into a new week, may our lives increasingly declare and display the greatness of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.